This is the Tree of Life Ministries podcast. Our mission is to reach everyone with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope this message is inspiring, encouraging, and it challenges you. Wherever you're listening from, we hope that you enjoy and that God will transform your life through today's message. That's right. Give the Lord a good hand. Praise God. It's good to be in the house of God. Thank you for being here tonight. I know for a lot of people it was a little bit of a stretch to get you here, but we really appreciate all the work that Tommy and the crew did to get things cleared off. And they did a good job and worked really hard. Wanted to get us back in church. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you. Y'all did a great job tonight. It's good to be in the house of God. And, uh, you know, when you miss a Sunday, it feels like you missed a, missed out on a lot. So it's really good to be in God's house and experience worship in His presence. I want you to turn with me to book of 2 Thessalonians tonight. And I'm going to share uh, scripture with you and probably over the next couple weeks talk to you about this. And uh, I know that it's kind of odd on a night where we're down a little bit because, uh, because of the weather and that kind of thing. And so when I'm talking about falling away, I don't want you to look around and be like, well, it's, it's picked a good time to preach on that. And uh, if you're watching, you're stuck at home, you had to work late. Like Sandy, um, she was still at work when I left, and uh, she missed Sunday, she missed Saturday, because she had to be at her mom's all weekend, and so she's going to need to get saved when she gets back, and uh, so uh, she's watching, she's probably not sending me hugs and kisses right now, but you know, I'll make up for it when I get home. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 1. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Look at verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day, and here's where you really want to pay attention to this, that day will not come unless, turn to somebody and say, unless... The falling away comes first, and the son of man, son of man, the, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I want to go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to continue to remember Josephine and several others that are sick and not able to not only be here, but they're just uh, really battling the whole uh, COVID thing. And we just wanna to continue to remember people in prayer over that. And if you have a prayer need tonight, I just want you to lift your hand and we're gonna trust God to take care of it. And I know that you believe in the power of prayer and we're excited. I know that probably it's a little bit of a, a different thing, but Zach, uh, the youth pastor here, he's gonna be taking I think it's probably around 60-some young people down to Tennessee for a youth event. That's right. Give the Lord a hand. That's real, that's real good. And so uh, they're really excited about going, and what we're going to believe is they're going to come back totally on fire for God, 
and the Lord really using them to help build the kingdom of God and I, I'll be able to touch on that here in just a moment so let's go to the Lord in prayer and I got a lot to cover in a short time to get there and I want to be sure that I do it so that I get you out of here in a timely fashion father we come to you right now Lord in the name of Jesus God and I really thank you I thank you father that Lord that we can come together despite weather despite the challenges in our culture in our nation and Lord I really thank you that Lord we can show up and Lord, we know that you're here tonight with us. Your presence is here, your power is here. And Lord, I know that no one made this trip tonight to hear me. What they did was they came to hear you. So I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that God, your word is gonna do the talking tonight. That your word is gonna hit our hearts, hit our minds, our souls, our spirits, our bodies. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, for those that are watching, Lord, if there's anyone that needs a touch from you, if there's anyone that needs a spiritual touch from you, that Holy Spirit, you're going to do the work that none of us can do. You're going to do the work that I can't do, no one can do. And Lord, I just believe that you're going to be able to find your way in the hearts and lives of people, whether they're in this auditorium or sitting in their den or their living room. I pray tonight in the name of Jesus for all those that are sick. Lord, you know the people that God, they're struggling, they're battling. With the COVID virus, they're struggling and they're battling maybe with other illnesses like Josephine, fighting off cancer. And Lord, tonight, I just agree with the saints that are here, those that are watching, that Lord, you're going to supernaturally touch the bodies. Hallelujah, Father. We still believe you're the healer. We still believe that you can divinely heal. And so, Father, that's what we pray tonight. We pray that in the name of Jesus, you're going to go and divinely and supernaturally heal the body. And so, Lord, we give you praise, honor, and glory for what you've done. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in this place and worship you tonight. Thank you, Father, for allowing the gospel to go through the airwaves, to go through the screens, to go through the computers, the tablets, the phones. Lord, I thank you that the advancement of the gospel is still going forth despite what's going on in this world. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we give you praise for it all. Amen, amen, and amen. Just give God a good praise. Hallelujah. Just turn to somebody and tell them, say, I'm glad you're here tonight. Now, trust me, when I say this tonight while I'm preaching this, I don't want anybody to think that if you're watching this at home, man, he's talking about me because I'm talking about, I'm just giving you a general subject on what I felt like the Lord gave me last week and so we can't help snow we can't help sickness we can't help things like that I just felt like that I really the Lord just really laid this on my heart a couple of weeks ago and so anything I share if you take it personally just take it up with the Lord and then email me if you want to okay and then I'll just delete it praise the Lord and so I was reading a Christian author recently wrote the following on an article to be published he said there was a time people could not be kept out of church there was a time people became too busy for church then people started making excuses to get out of church I hate reading this after because <laughs> I know we got snow today I never thought I hear I'd hear it he said but now people are afraid of going to church I want to say this that I'm not advocating that anybody put themselves or their family at risk or anything like that but I'm really trying to help set the stage so that over the next couple weeks because the more that I studied this the more that I just began to research and look at what the Lord was really saying what he was saying to me what he wanted to say to us 
that are here tonight, those that are watching. I just really felt like that this year we're going to begin to see some things unfold like probably the church has never seen unfold. I think that many people, not just us, but many people around the world were just totally caught off guard by the magnitude of what we've seen take place over the last couple years. So we're, it's not like we're sitting here and we're not realizing that there are things going on in the world that have taken such a turn that we have to realize that God is still at work, but we also realize that the enemy is still actively at work to doing everything that he can to try to hinder the move and hinder the work of God. It's kind of odd that in the moment that I'm sharing this, and I'd never realized that I didn't put it all together, but I just began to, to look through and, and search out some different articles. I came across this great one article, and I want you to understand this. When I'm talking to you tonight about the great falling away, I want you to listen to what this one secular article was entitled. It was entitled, The Great Resignation. And under that title, it said, the number of people quitting jobs has hit an all-time high as openings stay near record. Job openings now have topped 10 million for six straight months in a row. So if you hear anybody that they're looking for a job or they say they're looking for a job, I just want to tell you, they're probably not looking real hard and, uh, because there are a lot of jobs out there to be had. We often talk about the millennials. Now, I want you to keep that thought, the great resignation in your mind. We often talk about millennials. Millennial, the name millennial, and what does it really mean? Well, we know that it's an age group between the age of 26 to 41. And right now, there's about 74, 72 million uh, millennials in the United States. They make up about 25% of the population. Recently, there was a book that was written, and it was called The Rise of the Nuns. It's not Catholic nuns, it's the millennial nuns. It's the rise of the nuns. The reason why they called it the rise of the nuns, I know that was corny. The reason why they call it the rise of the nuns is because when they polled the millennials, just the millennials, I want you to understand this. 40% of them said they have no religious affiliation. In other words, when they begin to go down the list and they said, are you Baptist? Are you Catholic? How were you raised? Many of them could go back and maybe list a certain experience they had, maybe with a church, maybe with some type of church group, maybe a church camp, maybe some type of experience that they could go back and relate with. But now that they're older and they're really out on their own, they say, we have no real religious affiliation with anyone. And not only them, but now 30% of American adults say they have no religious affiliation. So it's not like it was maybe when you or I grew up, and when we grew up, if you were raised in a particular church, you might stay in that church for a long period of time. There might be generations of people raised in certain churches. You might have gone to a certain church and people would say, yeah, my whole family's went here our entire lives and this is just our church. The generation that's coming up now, they say, we don't have any church roots really anywhere. Now, I wanna tell you, when I see this, what, what, what really concerns me, and I'll just tell you, when, when I look at this, what really concerns me is 
does it bother me that people say they don't have a religious affiliation? I'm not for religion, I'm for relationship. So when people say, I don't have a religious affiliation, to me, I really don't care if you're Baptist or you're Methodist or you're Presbyterian or you're Pentecostal. It doesn't make any difference who you are. If you don't know Jesus Christ, all you have is your religion. Aren't you glad you got a relationship with Jesus Christ? And don't you know, aren't you glad you know him as a personal Savior? So when I look at this and I see and you combine that. Now, you look at what's going on in the secular world, in the world what we would define as outside the church. But then you look inside the church, and what you realize is that since COVID, there's been two extremes of what's taken place in the church world. You have the extreme where about now 75, where, where you look at it, about 75% of the churches say their attendance is way off. And some of them are really concerned. A lot of churches have been really concerned that their attendance is so far off that some of them, many of them, will close. Recently, I talked to someone. I did a funeral for someone, and they called me. They said, our family has been watching your services online, and they've been watching the services online for probably about eight or ten months now. And the reason why they've been watching them online is because the church closed where they were at and, and it closed because of COVID. And he said, I, I'm calling you because they kind of look at you. They watch the Saturday night service. They watch the Wednesday night service. And, and they just ask if you would be willing to come and do the funeral. And I said, sure. But when I talked to him more, he said, yeah. He said, the church closed and the minister sold the church and no one can find the minister anywhere. He moved out of town. I don't know the church. I didn't ask the name of the church. Didn't want to know the name of the church. But what it told me is you have people now, you have churches now that it's like they are just scrambling to get by. Then you have the other extreme where there are churches that are still doing really good, but they still would say that their attendance is only about 80% off but they're still hopeful that there's going to be a strong recovery. Me, I'll just tell you, I remain absolutely hopeful and optimistic. How is it that I remain, remain hopeful and optimistic? Because Jesus said himself, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So to me, you might have a low night of attendance, you might have an off night, you might have an off Sunday and off Saturday, but I want to tell you what I do know is that God is still working to build his church and the gates of hell is not going to prevail against it. It doesn't matter what the enemy tries to use, I just know that God is still at work. I want to ask you tonight, how many of you believe that God is still at work? I was talking to somebody one day and they were just talking about everything that was going on in the world and then they said this, they said, I want to tell you, the devil sure is working awful hard. And I said, well, you know what? I said, yeah, but I said, he can't outwork God. I said, God is always at work. God is still at work. The last time I checked, Jesus said this. He said, I'm here. I'm working. My heavenly Father's at work. You got both of them at work. The last time I checked, he was still the same yesterday, today, and for there ever. The last time I checked, the Holy Spirit was still at work. The Holy Spirit is still convicting. The Holy Spirit is still comforting. The Holy Spirit is still counseling. Is anybody going to help me out on a Wednesday night? How many of you believe that the Holy Spirit 
Spirit is still at work in the world and still at work in your life and still at work in the church. I just believe that the Holy Spirit is not going to stop working anytime soon because there's an outbreak of COVID. I don't believe he's going to stop working anytime soon because people are shutting down. I don't believe he's going to stop working anytime soon. I still believe that God is absolutely, totally in control, that Christ is still Savior and King of Kings, and I still believe that the Holy Spirit is a supernatural force that is working in the world to see that the will of God is accomplished through the believers. My goodness, somebody give God a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. So I want to take you back here just for a moment because for you to see the groundwork of this, what you have to see is you have to see what Paul was actually referring to and the basis of where he's getting his information from. If you go back to Matthew chapter 24, what you're going to see is you're going to see a passage of Scripture where Jesus is in his final days and he has his disciples and they're on the Mount of Olives. And here they are, they're on the Mount of Olives, and they're overlooking Jerusalem. And as, they're, as he's sitting there, and he's looking over Jerusalem, he's sitting there and he looks at them, and he says, as he looks off into the distance, he says, I want you to know that there's not going to be any of this left. There's not going to be a stone here left. Just, just take a good look at it, because what you're seeing now, you're not going to see here in a little while. And so the disciples still have, a, have an earthly mindset. They still have a mindset that Christ is somehow going to establish his kingdom here on earth in the present form that he was in. They couldn't get the concept that what he was doing was he's establishing a kingdom, but it's not an earthly kingdom, it's a heavenly kingdom. And so here he is when he's talking to them, he's giving them a picture of what's going to take place in the present future, but then he takes a step forward and he says, but now I want to give you a picture of what's going to happen in the far future. The far future that you're not going to be able to see with your eyes, this you'll see. What you're going to not see is you're not going to see different things things that are going to take place. And so here he is. That's why they call it the Olivet Discourse is because now he is laying the groundwork Jesus being the Son of God, he knows what's going to happen. Jesus being the Son of God, he knows what's going to take place. He knows what's going to happen on all the earth. He knows because he knows all. He's God. So here he is. He's sitting and he's talking to them. And he says, now what I want to do is, I want to share with you disciples some things that are going to happen. And he says, when you look at this, you're not going to see any of this. I want you to know, you're not going to have any of this in the future. And they look at him and they say, well, Lord, let me ask you something. What is going to be the sign? What is it that we're going to be able to look at and we're going to, we're going to be able to figure out this is when the kingdom is going to be set up. This is when things are really going to unfold and things are going to start happening. So I want you to turn to somebody and say indicators. And so this is what he's doing. He's giving them certain indicators. He's looking at them, and the first thing that he says is, he says, listen, I want you to take heed that no one deceives you. Now, you can go back and look at it. You can read all verses, the verses 5 through 9, 
What he's given you is, he's given the, you and me the same thing he gave them. He says, these are going to be like birth pains. These are going to be like things that are going to come up. He calls them days of sorrow or times of sorrow or a time of sorrow. These are going to be the sorrows. He gives them four of them. And then he turns just a little bit and he says, but there's going to be another unique thing that's going to happen that's going to, that you're going to be able to totally understand and see as a true indicator of when I'm going to return. Now again, I want you to pause there just for a moment because what we do know is this. We do know that he gave indicators. We do know that when it comes to a falling away, that there are certain people, they're going to walk away and there are certain people, they're not going to want anything to do with church, Jesus, or anything concerning the Word of God, the Gospel, or God Himself. In other words, you would label these as rejectors. These are the people that when you look in Luke chapter 4, 28 and 29, you see that when Jesus came into the town, they absolutely wanted nothing to do with him. When he started preaching, when he started teaching, matter of fact, they got so mad at him, they wanted to pull him out of the town and throw him off of the cliff. They wanted to kill him is what they wanted to do. These were what we would define as rejectors. No, no desire to see Christ as a redeemer, no desire to see him as Savior and Lord. No desire to see themselves or the people around them experience or have the eternal life through Christ. No desire to deal with our lost or sin nature. No desire to have their lives radically or dramatically changed. No desire to see what could really happen if they just turned their life over to Him. And these are the people that is defined of what you would look in Scripture and you would see that they are the scoffers and the mockers and they continue to increase in culture. You see this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. That in the last days, the scoffers and the mockers, they're going to come. And what are they going to say? What happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? In other words, they're asking us. They're asking the people. They're asking you. They're asking me. They're asking this preacher. They might ask you on your job. When you're out there and you say, man, it just seems like so many things are happening. Can I? Well, I know, but they've been talking about Jesus coming for years. Yeah, but don't you see that it's getting, I know, it's getting closer. I've seen it. I've heard it. I know the spiel. I've watched the TV. TV. I've, I've heard them ask for donations at the end to keep it all going, and it still isn't happening. La, 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 la. That's all the scoffers and the mockers. You know what they really are? They're the rejectors. They're the ones that are rejecting not you. They're rejecting Jesus Christ. You go on and you see them in Revelation chapter 9. In verse 20, what you see is that when he says the rest of mankind, understand this, it didn't matter how many plagues it came. It didn't matter what had come upon the earth what did scripture say they still refuse to repent in other words they're the rejectors the same thing in revelation chapter 16 that when the bowls are poured out what happens the people listen look at what scripture says people gnaw their tongues in anguish curse the god of heaven for the pain and sores but look at this 
What did they do? They're still rejecting God. They refuse to repent of their deeds. After all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the judgment, they still look at their own life and they say, you know what? I still refuse to accept God. Instead, I'm going to reject God. So you got the indicators. We know that there are rejectors, rejectors. So now I want you to look at this, this uh, second group of people. I want you to turn to somebody and say, the defectors. Now what you have are the defectors. And this is where Paul is really referring to what Jesus was teaching on the Mount of Olives. He says, what will be the sign of your coming? Notice what he says in verse 10. Many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Notice the word that he uses here when he uses the word offended. Oh, the word offended is not really a good translational word. The Greek definition and interpretation, interpretation of offended is actually apostasy. Or the literal translation means this, an occasion to fall. In other words, Jesus was saying that there's going to be an occasion that's going to cause people to fall away. He was saying that there was coming an occasion that was going to cause people to walk away. He was saying that there are four previous pains that you're going to see take place. You're going to see persecution intensify. You're going to see things happen in the earth. You're going to see things happen in the, in the world. You're going to see nations come at war. But he says there's going to be a fifth thing that's going to take place. And this is going to take place before you see the coming of the Son of Man. And according to Christ, what we know is this. We look at this and what we say is, we say, how is it that when Jesus was looking ahead, that he was able to see that there was going to be people that were going to fall away, they were going to walk away? I'll tell you how he knew, because he was the sacrificial son of the living God. So I think that Jesus knew way ahead that he could see. How many of you know Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he was able to look ahead and he would say, listen, I know that there's some that are going to reject me. I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to die for them anyway. There's going to be some that I know they're going to follow me with all of their heart. Praise God, I'm going to die for them. I'm going to love them. I know they're not perfect, but I'm going to give my life form I know there's gonna be some that give their life to me but then walk away from me but you know what I'm still gonna love them I'm still gonna die for them aren't you glad that we got a Savior that died for us no matter where we're at in life somebody told me one time they said well I just don't believe in the whole falling away thing well I want you to think about it like this if you would just look at it and you would think to think about it in this type of term terminology if they were not connected, how could they fall away? It's just that simple. If they weren't connected, how could they not fall away? Jesus knew that. And Paul now in his writing, I want you to look at what he's dealing with. Now what we see is we see Paul, that he's coming around, and we, say, we look at why he had to write this. Because people had started being informed that Christ had come. And when they were informing people that Christ had come, Paul said, this is an area that I know that I have to deal with 
Because there are people that think that the Lord has come and they've been left behind. And the Lord hasn't come yet. They just don't know it. They are listening to people that they shouldn't be listening to. They're receiving things from people that are coming around, telling things that have no basis and no foundation. Because Paul knew. He knew the signs. He knew the times. There were wars during those times. There were earthquakes during those times. But what Paul saw was the advancement of the gospel that was going forth in unprecedented numbers. So God was moving. The Holy Spirit was moving. The Holy Spirit had been poured out. And God was working at saving and setting people free. Still doing it today. Aren't you glad he's doing it today? Amen. Hallelujah. So now Paul says, I got to set the record straight. What this whole falling away concept, what does it really mean? And, and so now Paul uses the Greek terminology that Jesus used. And he said, there's going to be a great falling away. And Paul explained it like this because he put it in a Greek terminology so that they would have an even better and more clarity of understanding. He said, the falling away is an equality to what you would consider was a divorce. In other words, it's like they were married to Christ, they were in relationship with God, but then they decided they didn't want to be in that relationship anymore. So they walked away. And I want to tell you when I'm standing here tonight, probably one of the things that bothers me more than anything, and when I say bothers me, I'm not talking about making me mad. I'm talking about if I'm mad, it's at the devil. I'm talking about what bothers me is I see things at work that are encouraging people to not want to be in the kingdom of God, but to reject the kingdom of God and even walk away from the kingdom of God. I see things that are happen happening that are causing the rejectors and the defectors in the day that we live in. And I was sitting there and I was praying. I said, God, I really want to know and I want some insight on what you're really wanting to say and what you're really trying to get across. And so I'm going to close and I want you to look at the scripture with me. Here, just give me just a few minutes and then I'll pick up next week. But I want to get more into detail with these things. And I want you to look at what Paul was really saying. In chapter 2, verse 2, he makes this statement. He says, not to be shaken in mind. In other words, Paul is now using the analogy that you put something together, maybe in a jar or maybe in a box, and you put this stuff inside of it, and you shake it, and you agitate it, and then when you open it up, it's all mixed up. And he's using the analogy to try to help people to understand that there are, uh, there are spirits at work now in the world, and one of them is the spirit of confusion. I'll just tell you, I've never seen more of a spirit of confusion in, the, in my lifetime than I have right now. People that literally know not, don't even know what to do with their lives. We have young people that are graduating high school, young people that are in college, 
many of them haven't solidified what it is that God wants them to do in their life. Many of them in the secular world have no idea what they're going to do with their life right now because they don't even know what the job market is going to look out like five or ten years from now because of everything that's going on in the world right now. So instead, they all just kind of result to falling back and just being comfortable and taking a few courses and maybe working a decent job and hopefully having, having a decent income and a decent way of life in their private lives because we know that everything is becoming more recluse in our culture. More confusion than there's ever been. Confusion. Which church do I go to? Who do I listen to? What religion do I really believe in? Because everything on the internet is confusing a generation more than they've ever been confused before. And I want to tell you, it's not uncommon for people to send me video after video after video. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to watch a video. If I want to know, I'll pick up the Bible, I'll open it up, and I can read it and figure it out for myself. Hallelujah. So you got the spirit of confusion. Paul says, he says, listen, I'm telling you not to be confused in your mind because that's what's happened to, to the church at Thessalonica. Confusion is getting into the church and people don't even know if Jesus Christ has come back or he hasn't come back. And he says the second thing is this. And notice this. Notice how it fits into the culture of where we are. He says, not to only to not be shaken in mind, but troubled either by spirit. Turn to somebody and say troubled. In other words, what you see, the second spirit at work is the spirit of fear. That word troubled literally means not just fearful, it means frightened. In other words, I just read you this at the beginning, how the minister said, I never thought I would hear people say, I'm afraid to go to church. Isn't it amazing how fear is totally permeating our culture? I'm not talking about being cautious. I'm not talking about being careful. Wash your hands. Use all the, 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 the hand cleaner and all the stuff that you wear the mask. Whatever it is you feel is going to make you comfortable. But I want you to know this. I don't think God has called his church to live in a fearful state. He's called us to live in a state of faith. Come on, give God a praise if you really believe it tonight. And so that's what you see happening in our culture right now. It's like, man, there is so much fear. Everything on the news releases nothing but fear into the lives of people. I see it all the time. People text me. People email me. People message me. I want you to pray for me. I'm just afraid. Listen, I'm not condemning. I'm not, I'm not coming against. I'm telling you, we're praying for you because I don't believe that God wants you to live in a state of fear. Hallelujah. How many of you believe that God has given us a spirit of fear? He's given us a, a power of love and a sound mind. Come on, give God a praise if you believe it. The third thing, look at verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. In other words, you know what he's really talking about? He's talking about a delusion. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, he uses the word deceive. If you look at the Greek word deceive, it's connected strongly with the word 
our English word delusion. It's a belief maintained. I want you to understand what I'm telling you when I say this. If anything, you need to write this down. A delusion is this. A belief maintained despite being contradicted. Did you get that? One person got it. A belief maintained despite being contradicted. Get that in your mind if you can. And this is the reason why. Because unless it lines up with the Word of God, are y'all hearing me tonight? Unless it lines up with the Word of God, there are people that they are delusioned in the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you why. Because they will watch a video. They will watch and they'll read an article. There was someone, and, and this has been a long time ago, not anybody recently, so don't think I'm talking about anybody here tonight. There was someone a long time ago, they sent me a video. They said, you got to watch this. And so I'm watching it. And something the guy said caught my attention. And I thought, that just seemed a little strange. And so I began to Google his ministry and dig into what he was. And it was, I want to tell you, it was really hard to find what he actually believed. And then when I found out what he really believed, I went back to the person and I said, now listen, I know that you probably think a lot of this person, but I think you should know that this is what he believes. Now, I had the scripture to back it up, but you know what delusion is? Delusion says, I still choose to believe it despite the fact that God's word contradicts it. See, that's the day that we're living in. That day that we're living is that people are more enamored by what they see take place instead of what the Word of God actually says. And I'll tell you, if we want to really see a supernatural move of God, we better not be watching YouTube videos. We better be digging in the Word and getting on our knees and praying to God and calling out to God like we never have before. The last thing, this last spirit. I pick up where I began the whole sermon, the whole message. The spirit of quit. Isn't it amazing that even in the world, there is this spirit of quit. Ten million jobs open six straight months in a row. And never before, Another article that I read said this. They interviewed people, person after person after person. Many of them said this. I just felt like quitting because if I'm going to be happy, I want to be happy doing something that I like. Whatever happened to the days that you worked a job because you got bills to pay? You may not be totally fond of the job, but you worked it anyway because rent's coming due, because you got gas to put in the car, because you have bills to pay. Or is anybody with me here tonight? So it, it's not about whether or not you're happy about all the time that you work and what job you work. 
It's about the responsibilities that you have as a person. It's just as a human being. Well, I just, I just don't like this job anymore, so I'm quitting until I find something that I really like. I had somebody tell me one time, they said, I think I'm going to quit my job. And I said, really? And they said, yep, I'm just not happy on my job. I said, well, where are you going to work? Well, I don't have a job yet. I said, well, my daddy taught me that if I'm going to quit a job, I better have a job lined up. Amen. You see it happen in the world, but then you look at the next generation and you think to yourself, they can't even commit themselves to a church. But almost 70% of them say they're Christians. How is it that we can see people come and we can see people go, stay a while and then leave a while and come back a while, and now it's not even uncommon that not only do people not have a religious affiliation, but people have membership at four or five different churches. Isn't that odd? It's odd for the day that we live in because if I don't have to commit to anything, I can quit without any feelings of any kind of obligation. So I can just walk away from it. You say, really, the spirit of quit? Oh, the spirit of quit. How many people quit their marriages? How many people just say, you know what? I, I'm just not happy anymore. I, I'll just quit. I'll, I, I'm just not happy with all the songs. I'm going to quit the choir. I'm not happy. I'm not happy with how he's been preaching. I'm going to. I'm going to quit going to that service. I'm going to this service. I'm not happy with working with this person. I'll quit this ministry and join this ministry. And before long, they've quit everything so much, the spirit of quits got in them. And they say, you know what? I just sit at home and watch it on TV. I just sit at home, watch it on the computer. I want to tell you that's the reason why. Anybody we see in the house of God, we need to praise God for them. Are y'all with me? That anybody you see around you, you ought to welcome them. You ought to love them. You ought to thank God for them. You ought to pray for them. Any seat you see around you that is empty, you ought to pray God for, to fill it. Amen? Come on, give God a praise if you believe it. Y'all did good. Y'all took that well. That's all my notes. I'm closing. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, God, and I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father that, Lord, tonight, that we can look around the world. Lord, literally, we can look around the world. All we have to do is cut on our TVs, computers. We can pick up our phones, and we can see what's going on and what's happening on the other side of the world almost at any given moment. And, Lord, it's just so ironic. Just think about this just for a moment as we get ready to go, Lord, in prayer. It's so ironic. Paul didn't mention anything that Jesus mentioned in relation to earthquakes, pestilence, famine, floods. He didn't mention anything about wars, rumors of wars. He didn't mention anything about birth pains, 
and sorrows. He went straight to the point. The only thing he referred to when he was speaking to the church at Thessalonica was this simple truth that Jesus had already spoke on the Mount of Olives. And he said, listen, the great indicator, the great indicator, there's going to be rejectors. Those are giving. You saw them. Church, you've seen them. Church at Thessalonica, you know that there are rejectors. You know there are people that don't want to hear the gospel. But he said, really, the great indicator are the defectors. The ones that when you see, they just begin to turn their backs on the Lord. They just begin to walk away. They just begin to leave the church. And they aren't just leaving the church to go to another church. They are walking out on the Lord. They are divorcing Him. And Father, tonight, I think that we would all agree that we could handle someone that they say, you know, I feel God's call to do this. I feel God's move to go here. But Lord, it ought to really bother us as believers. It ought to really concern us as Christians. When we see someone beginning to take steps away from the Lord. Not the church, from the Lord. And so, Father, tonight I, I have no doubt that the people that are sitting in this auditorium, that they're believers, they're your saints, they're your people. But God, just in case tonight, there's someone here that either you don't know the Lord, or let me get really personal with you tonight, maybe you're the one that's getting ready to walk away from the Lord. It could be that there's somebody here, there's somebody watching that you could say, you know, I'm just, I don't know what it is. If it's the spirit of confusion, I don't know if it's the spirit of delusion, I don't know what it is, maybe the spirit of quit. But I've just felt like giving up. Just with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you, is there anyone here tonight that that's you, that you've just felt like, I just want to give up, I just want to walk away. I don't want you to leave here tonight walking out and walking away. I want to make sure that you're taken care of. The church, our church wants to make sure you're taken care of. Is there anyone here that that's you, that you just say, Hey, I'll be honest with you. The thought has crossed my mind and I've entertained the thought. Quickly, just raise your hand so we can pray for you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. God is good. I said God is good. Amen. Amen. That's right, He's good. 
Father, I want to thank you, Lord. I just want you to stand and we're going to have worship just for a moment. And then I'm going to pray for those that raise your hand. Can we do that? Just stand. Just Let's just sing here for a moment. Thanks for listening to today's message. We pray you are blessed by God's word. For more information on Tree of Life Ministries, you can visit tolm.net or you can follow us on social media at tolm Lynchburg. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.